This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Michael Good, CEO of the University of Utah Health and Chair-Elect of the Association of Academic Health Centers. Dr. Good, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for having me join you. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about, but before we dive into our discussion, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. I uh, have spent my entire career uh, in academic medicine. Uh, I attended medical school at the University of Michigan uh, and then went into anesthesiology training uh, at the University of Florida, uh, where I then uh, was on the faculty for 30 years. The last 10 years uh, at Florida, I served as dean of the medical school at University of Florida. And a little, a little uh, three and a half years ago or so, uh, I uh, became the uh, CEO of University of Utah Health uh, and also served as senior vice president for health sciences and dean of the uh, Spencer Fox Eccles School of Medicine, all of that here at uh, the University of Utah. And if you think of those three institutions, uh, Michigan, Florida, Utah, they're all, um, they all have very uh, strong uh, academic medical centers. And so I've, I've really uh, enjoyed my career in academic medicine and working to make academic medicine and our medical centers uh, throughout the country uh, better serve uh, their patients uh, and their communities. That's fantastic. And, you know, when you started your career as a physician, did you anticipate you would go into administrative and executive leadership, or um, was that not quite the path you initially set out for? No, I didn't. Uh, I didn't envision uh, this career at all. But as many of our careers do, um, interesting uh, opportunities uh, present along the way. And again, in academic medicine, we uh, have the opportunity to focus on different aspects of uh, medical and healthcare. Uh, the early uh, chapter, if you will, of my career uh, was working with a team that developed and patented uh, patient simulator technology. This was back in the late 80s and uh, early 90s. Uh, I spent the middle portion of my career uh, working in and uh, leading. Uh, uh, healthcare facilities in the Veterans Health Administration. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, uh, the uh, third chapter, if you will, I began to realize just how um, important it is to uh, some of the advances and, and changes we want to make in our American healthcare system uh, really need to begin at the, at the medical school uh, level. And so, um, these opportunities, uh, the opportunity to work in the VA, the opportunity uh, to lead a medical school um, were, were opportunities that uh, presented themselves and they were ways that I thought I could you know, make a difference in the profession and in uh, academic health care uh, more broadly. Um, I, uh, you know, as an aside, I, I view myself as a system person and as an anesthesiology, I keep the systems the, in the patient, the cardiovascular, the pulmonary, the renal system working together. And I found that a systems approach to leadership uh, is, is awful, often uh, helpful. So I went from being an anesthesiologist to be 
being, uh, being the chief of the anesthesiology service at the VA. Now the system involves uh, surgeons and nurses, surgical technicians, equipment, uh, blood products, and so on. From there, uh, chief of staff, again, a little bit larger system with clinics and hospital wards and so on. And so as I my career advanced and um, I saw opportunity to take on the challenge of just a little bit bigger system, a little bit bigger, bigger system, and try to help that system, that organization, um, optimally achieve its goals and, and hopefully excellence in its missions. Well, that's fantastic to hear. And, you know, what great opportunities it sounds like you've had to really make an impact on academic medicine. Now, I know that um, from your role with the Association of Academic Health Centers, um, you've been very intimately involved in, and watched the process of um, its merger with the Association of American Medical Colleges, which was announced on January 20th. Um, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about that process um, and, and what are some of the advantages for academic medicine of having these two organizations merging together? You know, we, we live in a time of great change, uh, and we certainly are seeing those changes in uh, academic medicine and academic health centers. And so the organizations that serve academic medicine and academic health centers uh, need to evolve and, and change themselves so that the organizations can better serve uh, leaders and, and the institutions uh, that make up academic medicine, but most importantly, do so that we can better serve our patients uh, and our families and, and the communities uh, that we serve. And so the Association uh, of uh, American Medical Centers, AAMC, and the Association of Academic Health Centers, AAHC, uh, for many years have had uh, overlapping members, members and membership, uh, members of our organization or board, AAHC, would then become board members in AAMC and vice versa. Uh, AAMC has represented all of academic medicine, while AAHC has focused on the high-level system leaders uh, of health systems. And the organizations have a good track record of working together um, and, and working collaboratively. But I think is in the last, oh, probably uh, about a year, year and a half ago, um, our leaders, Dr. David Scorton, who leads AAMC, and Dr. Stephen Cantor, uh, who leads AAHC, began to realize that really we had a, an opportunity to, as they say, uh, make one plus one equal three, that uh, organizations could really uh, come together and achieve more together uh, than they were, uh, you know, a lot of excellent work being done in both organizations, but a lot more, particularly in service of members and in of the communities those members serve. And so over just about a little over a year, year, maybe just a little bit more ago, uh, Dr. Scorton and Dr. Cantor uh, began discussing what this opportunity might look like. As those conversations uh, advanced, they involved the board of directors of uh, both organizations, 
Dr. Robert Barish, who chairs the uh, board of the AAHC. And at the time when we embarked on this, it was Dr. Larry Jamison, who was the chair of the board at uh, AAMC. And uh, the boards met, the executive committees of the board met several times, established a framework, uh, the, the goals that we thought we could achieve together, and the framework for the two organizations to come in together. Um, I might add that Dr. Uh, we, so it was the chairs and the immediate past chairs, uh, Dr. Kirk Calhoun, who's the current chair of the AAMC board, and Dr. Jamison, the immediate past chair. And uh, as I mentioned, Dr. Robert Barish, the current chair of AAHC, and uh, Dr. Robert Golden, the past chair, uh, board chair of AAHC, were really the individuals that, that worked through uh, the process, bringing both the executive committees of the board and eventually uh, the full boards uh, uh, addressed this matter on behalf of their organizations. And then uh, early this year, the full membership of both organizations uh, reviewed and uh, uh, voted to approve uh, the merging of the organizations uh, effective in April of 2022. Got it. Well, that sounds like, you know, quite a process and definitely will be an exciting um, for that to be finalized later this year and be able to move forward as one organization. Um, when you look about, look at, um, the potential for the future. What do you see as some of the advantages of being together as um, for academic medicine and, and really um, the membership that you serve? Yeah, I think the, uh, the, the leaders in academic uh, health centers and academic medical centers across the country uh, will now be represented in and have a single organization to um, to develop plans to uh, to constantly move forward in figuring out better ways to serve the nation, to serve our members. Um, you know, for many of us, if you look at leaders in health systems and academic medical centers, it's the the leadership team varies from place to place. In some in instances, you'll have one individual as dean of the medical school. Those deans are well served by the AAMC Council of Deans. You'll have CEOs of uh, hospitals uh, and health systems, uh, and those members are served by uh, AAMC's uh, Council of Teaching Hospitals. And then you have leaders of academic uh, health centers uh, you know, which often include schools of dentistry, nursing, pharmacy, public health, uh, veterinary medicine, and uh, often uh, uh, an owned or a affiliated teaching hospital or, or health system. And those leaders uh, have traditionally uh, engaged with AAHC. In, in some institutions, each of those leaders is is a separate individual. But in many organizations, and for example, uh, here at the University of Utah and at other similar organizations, 
uh, I actually have all three positions. I'm dean of the medical school, uh, uh, oversee the, the hospitals and health health clinics and system, uh, but also I'm senior vice president for health sciences over those other colleges. And so over the past few years, my I've gone to AAMC uh, events and meetings and organizations and conversations for some portions of my work and to the AAHC for other portions of my uh, work. And many of my colleagues across the country have similarly done the same. Now, with AAHC as a component of AAMC, I'll have one organization to... Um, to participate and to um, work with similar leaders from across the country, uh, again, as we work very hard to make sure academic medicine is, is adding value to healthcare uh, across the nation. That, that sounds fantastic and really will be helpful. And, you know, I'm wondering, um, when you think about the opportunities going forward and the initiatives, what can members expect? What will be really exciting for you um, as you move forward um, within this larger organization? The, you know, I think first and foremost, um, for example, the focus on double AMC's strategic plan will remain. Uh, double AMC uh, in the last uh, uh, year and a half or so is under Dr. Scorton's direction has uh, published a uh, new strategic plan and is focused and uh, working uh, hard on that. Um, but I think the the coming together, um, I think the the focus and the work to achieve those strategic objectives uh, will be benefited as AAHC members. Uh, join in and help better leverage uh, relationships to support the strategic plan and the strategic uh, priorities. Um, I think our advocacy um, in public policy and in other areas uh, where we've often been advocating for uh, things but uh, not perhaps as optimally coordinated as we will be as a single organization. Um, and then there's, there's uh, kind of back to my one plus one equals three. Uh, you know, the AAH, uh, both organizations are focused on uh, equity, diversity, and inclusion, and making sure we uh, educate and train a uh, workforce, particularly a physician workforce, um, that is best represents uh, America and, and all of its uh, members and citizens uh, from all uh, racial and ethnic backgrounds, gender, life experiences, uh, and so on. And AAHC, uh, uh, three years ago, uh, acquired the Sullivan Alliance, uh, which is an organization that is committed to advancing uh, diversity, equity, inclusion um, across healthcare, and so that uh, Dr. Lewis Sullivan uh, has formed the Sullivan Alliance. It's a, a well-known uh, organization that is now part of AAHC, and with this merger, becomes part of AAMC. We also uh, will 
be stronger together in the, uh, if you will, the internet in our uh, international efforts. Uh, the AAMC has the Visiting Student Learning Opportunities. That's a program uh, that uh, a well-developed program in AAMC, and along with their journals, and uh, they create the International Community of Medical uh, Educators. AAHC has, uh, in fact, it's a um, AAHCI, which is the Association of Academic Health Centers International. Uh, is a uh, we that's where members from around the globe uh, participate or or are members of AAHC, and that will become part of AAMC as well. Over the past year, uh, while certainly the pandemic has resulted in all of us, you know, having way more Zoom meetings and not as many in-person meetings as we'd like. But the international members uh, of the AAHC are really an um, impressive group. Most of the uh, academic medical centers in uh, England are members, and we've had a recent conference, and it's, we just really can learn a lot from our international partners who are, uh, you know, struggling with many of the same challenges uh, that we are struggling with here uh, in America. I also was able to moderate uh, a session in, uh, in uh, Singapore, uh, 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 and it was, really, uh, it was really interesting to be moderating uh, a session with colleagues uh, from across uh, the South Pacific and Asia, uh, very well attended, and then finish up and go home and have dinner in my home uh, with my wife. Uh, but so that, that international network is, again, something where each of the organizations have an international program, but when we, they're different, and when we bring them together, uh, they're going to be very uh, synergistic and really uh, add value to domestic members because of the lessons and partnerships we can learn from other parts of the world and add greater value to our international members because now they're part of a larger organization. That's really great to hear and sounds like will be extremely beneficial for members in academic medicine as a whole. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, I have one more question. Where do you see the big opportunities for innovation in academic medic medicine, especially um, thinking about the past two years, what we've been through during the pandemic and what's ahead? Yeah, well, certainly uh, academic medicine, um, you know, academic medicine is the place where uh, new discoveries and understanding are made, new therapies and, and uh, devices and other advances uh, are conceived and early prototypes uh, developed. Um, and then in partnership with uh, industry and others, we, we it, it is the home for many of the clinical trials, um, and uh, then we work in partnership to make sure those uh, advances that are beneficial make it uh, into uh, the care practices uh, in our country and, and often around the world. And so that's always been uh, 
kind of the uh, the energy that exists in an academic health center. And if you think about the pandemic, uh, the the understanding of, for example, messenger RNA, uh, it, its biology, uh, its capabilities. Messenger RNA had been studied in academic medical centers and continued to advance over 20 years. And how fortunate was that as this coronavirus uh, literally attacked the world? Um, scientists realized they could use messenger RNA to create uh, vaccines. I, I've heard some say, well, isn't it great that we developed uh, the coronavirus vaccine in a year? Well, yes, a lot of important work was done uh, in that year, but that year was possible because of 20 years of research uh, that preceded it and much of that research uh, happening at the Academic Medical Center. The same is true as we've developed uh, new and better testing methodology. Our Academic Medical Center was involved in uh, many of the studies, several studies uh, related to COVID. One was we, we analyzed and found we could get reliable testing with saliva rather than those, you know, particularly the deeply placed nasal swabs that were so uh, challenging early in the, in the pandemic. We also worked with our community and studied um, different protocols uh, to help keep students uh, in, in school. And if you look at many, for example, many of the publications coming out of the CDC, so-called CDC guidance, uh, in those papers, uh, if you look, there's usually a, a list of five or six or seven academic medical centers that have come together to quickly uh, uh, answer a particular question uh, during this pandemic. And then, of course, the clinical trials uh, as first the vaccines and more recently the therapeutic uh, agents, the treatments, uh, various medications, intravenous, oral, others. Um, many, many of those clinical trials were happening uh, at the Academic Medical Center. So there's, you know, academic medical centers, academic health science centers are really uh, gems in the American healthcare system. They bring together uh, world-class care, uh, um, re cutting-edge research, all while training the next generation of physicians and health professionals. And now, all of academic medicine, with this merger of the AAHC into the AAMC, academic medicine will be able to speak speak out and speak loudly with one voice. Um, I envision uh, greater value being delivered to our members, uh, some ways that will happen I just mentioned. Um, and I think we'll, everyone will lean in and work together. Uh, our, our goal every day is to improve the health of people everywhere, here in America and also internationally. And I've, I've, off, I've mentioned the uh, international opportunities that this merger brings. You know, just to, to wrap up, I was trying to make a list of things that we, that when we go to our AAHC meetings or our AAMC, when we gather with 
colleagues from across the country subjects that we've talked about. Now, again, we haven't gathered very much over the past year. It's been mainly uh, virtual meetings, which we've gotten quite good at. But academic medicine has been uh, at the forefront of telemedicine or virtual care services, and we gather and compare notes and we learn from one another. Many of our centers, uh, for example, one that we're working on here at uh, University of Utah is, is population and community health. How do we, obviously it's really important that we take care of the, the patient that's in front of us, their specific and particular needs. But increasingly we're doing that also trying to understand the needs of the, the community, the population. Um, and so that's a, a, a key area for academic medicine. I've mentioned the research. It's broad. Uh, it encompasses everything from basic science to translational to clinical to population. Um, and increasingly, we're very focused on the healthcare workforce. As, like many parts of our country and economy, uh, many individuals have left the workforce, left the healthcare workforce. So we spend a lot of time focusing on wellness and resiliency um, of our of our team members in ways and programs that we can uh, help everyone, help us as individuals and as teams uh, stay, uh, uh, you know, as we say, top top of our game, stay uh, stay uh, optimally prepared to take care of our patients. And then um, again, uh, I really applaud the double AMC. It was at double AMC meetings where uh, I began to understand how important we need to focus on our communities and work with our communities. The Academic Medical Center is often the anchor institution in its community, and uh, that, that role comes with a great amount of responsibility. And so those are some of the things over the past year that, that we and other academic uh, health science centers have been working on, and I think those are the kinds of things you'll see continue to advance in the years ahead uh, with the merged organization under AAMC. Well, Dr. Good, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a fascinating discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you so much, and thank you to your listeners.